listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. So y'all, we're going to do a little, something a little bit different this morning. Uh, Mark was originally uh, on the schedule to preach, and obviously God had something different in mind. So we're going to do something a little different. We're going to take one last stab at Christmas. Some of that, you, I know that excites you. You're sad that Christmas is over. Some of you are ready for Christmas to be over, and you're like, again? Uh, we're going to do one more Christmas thing. I thought this would be good. Here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to take a Christmas quiz together, okay? So kids, you can do this. See if you can do better than your parents do. But I figure, hey, we've been talking about the birth of Jesus Christmas for a long time. We ought to know the story by now. And so we're going to see how well we know it. I'm going to take, we're going to take a little quiz about the biblical story of Christmas. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to put up one question at a time. Okay, I'll read it. You guess your answer. You can write it down if you want to write it down. You can tear a page out of the black notebook if you want to. Or you can just say it in your mind. But then when we go to figure out who got it right, you're in church. Don't lie whether you got it right or not, okay? You got to be honest. We don't need anyone getting smited in church today. And so we'll go through this and we'll see who does better, especially uh, between the kids and the parents. Okay, y'all ready? Some of y'all are looking pretty confident. Some of y'all will look at me like a deer in the headlights. Don't worry, we won't share the answers. Okay, question number one. Here we go. We got on the screen. For the journey to Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, A, walked, B, Joseph walked, and Mary rode a donkey, C, rode a bus, or D, who knows? Lock in your answer. What do you think? And I'm going to give you the answer. The answer, is, well, first, any voters for C? Anyone vote C? No? Okay, you're doing great so far. The answer is D. The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know. All right, anyone ruined their perfect score already? A couple? Okay. Okay, number two. When Mary became pregnant, Mary and Joseph were A, married, B, just friends, C, engaged, or D, none of the above. Okay, lock in your answer. Lock in your answer. Any guesses, any votes for, uh, for C? Any votes for C? Okay. Any votes for A? We've got a couple votes for A. The answer was C. Matthew 1, 18. Everybody, anybody, who's still got a perfect score? Who's doing well? Got a few perfect scores? Grown-ups, really? Come on. We're only two questions in. All right, number three. When Mary became pregnant, A, Joseph married her. B, Joseph wanted to dissolve their relationship. C, Mary left Nazareth for a while. Or D, an angel told them to go to Bethlehem. E, both B and C. Or F, both B and D. Tricky one. Y'all, I hated these in high school. They're like, both and? Who thinks it's F? Come on. Vote proud. Who thinks it's B? Okay, y'all are all wrong. It's E. E, Matthew 119 and Luke 139. All right, next. Who directed Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem? A, Herod, B, an angel, C, Caesar, or D, the IRS? Who thinks it was A? Who thinks it was B? Who thinks it was C? C is right. C is right. That's Luke 2, 1. 
Caesar is the one that declared a census be taken. Number six, just what is a heavenly host? A, an angelic choir. B, the welcoming angel in heaven. C, an army of angels. Or D, none of the above. The answer is C. C, it is an army of angels. There we go. Someone's doing well. Number seven, how many angels spoke to the shepherds? A, a multitude. B, two, Gabriel and Michael. C, one, or D, who knows? Lock it in, lock it in. I hear some rumblings for C. Anyone for D? It sounds like it would be one of those, oh, the Bible doesn't really tell us, but it's not. The answer is actually C. In Luke 2.10, one angel said to them. Now, y'all, that's just page one. Look, it's a multi-page quiz. We're going to keep going. Anyone, come on, be honest. Anyone still got a perfect score? Raise your hand if you still got a perfect score. Adam, remember, you're in church. Don't lie. All right, we'll see if we can stump Adam. Y'all ready for this? Okay, number eight. What song did the angel sing? A, O Little Town of Bethlehem. B, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. C, Glory to God in the Highest. Or D, None of the Above. All right, Adam, you're doing well. What do you think? No, no, you, you raised it. Come on, own it. Come on, Adam, which one? You got to pick one. The answer is D. The Bible says they didn't sing, they said. They said it. And y'all, I got really annoyed by this question because I got this one wrong. I looked it up in like eight translations. In every one of them, it says they said. So that's how it is. Okay, number nine. The baby Jesus was born in A, a cave, B, a manger, C, in a hurry, D, in a barn, or E, who knows? Tricky one. See, y'all know by now, y'all are so scared. You're like, he's tricking us on all these. The answer is E. Luke 2, 7, we aren't told where Jesus was born, only that after he was born, that he was laid in a manger. Yeah, I know. I'm getting, man, y'all are getting angry out there. Okay. (laughs) Uh, 11, what is a manger anyway? A, a barn, B, a place for hay, C, a feeding trough, or D, a Greek term for the nursery? Who thinks A? Who thinks B? Whoa, this is not the right one. That's not the question I read, though. We'll go with that one. We'll just keep going with that. Okay, Joseph's family was from A, Jerusalem. Man, Bart needs to get back in a hurry, doesn't he? All right, what is the major A? A barn, B, a place for A, C, a feeding trough. The answer is, y'all already know it, it's C, y'all got it. Okay, Joseph's family was from, there we go, A, Jerusalem, B, Nazareth, C, Bethlehem, or D, Gun Barrel City. If only, right? Y'all got your answer locked in? The answer is, I heard a lot of you say it, the answer is C, Luke 2, he was from Bethlehem. 14, who saw the star over Bethlehem? A, Mary and Joseph. B, shepherds. C, the three kings. And here we get one of these. D, both A and C. Or E, none of the above. I heard some none of the above. Anybody vote for B? 
We got some votes for B. Anybody vote for C? Couple votes for C. The answer is actually E, none of the above, because the Bible doesn't mention three kings, only some magi from the east. See? See? 15. What sign were the shepherds to look for? A, a star over the stable. B, a barn outlined with Christmas lights. C, a baby in a manger. D, both A and C, or E, none of the above. The answer is C, Luke 2, 12, a baby in a manger. Y'all, there's a third page. Third page. Okay, last one. Let's see. So far, who has only gotten, who has gotten three or less wrong? Anyone gotten three or less wrong? <laughs> Who's gotten three right? Anyone gotten three right? Okay, okay. All right, we're doing good. Okay. Number 16, what did the innkeeper say to Mary and Joseph? A, I have a stable at back. B, come back after the holidays. C, there's no room in the inn. D, both A and C, or E, none of the above. See, some of y'all know I'm tricking you, but you don't know how I'm tricking you. The answer is E, none of the above. The innkeeper is actually not in the Bible at all. All right, 17, this one's fill in the blank. How many wise men came to see Jesus? Y'all know this, say it out loud. You're wrong. Well, you could be right. The thing is, we just don't know. The Bible doesn't say how many came. It just says they brought three gifts. And so we don't know how many magi there actually were. Speaking of, what in the world are magi? A, Eastern kings, B, magicians, C, astrologers, D, a boy band, or E, none of the above. I heard somebody say it, C, they are astrologers who dabbled in the natural sciences. Okay, two more. When the wise men brought gifts to Jesus, they found him in A, a manger, B, a house, C, vacation Bible school, or D, none of the above. I heard of none of the above. I think that was from Adam. You, get no, you, you in for none of the above? You're wrong, Adam. It's B. Uh, in a house, Matthew 2, 11. They were in a house. Go read it. Go read it, Matthew 2, 11. Uh, okay, in what, last one, in what books of the Bible will you find these fascinating facts? A, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. B, Matthew and Luke. C, Mark and Matthew. Or D, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Last one, some of y'all, this is your last chance to feel good about yourself here. The answer is B. Those are all found uh, in Matthew and Luke. So, y'all, that's just a fun little quiz. Uh, but again, did anyone get all of those right? I didn't get them all right when I first took it. Anybody? Adam, we know you didn't get all those right. Put, just put, don't even pretend. Just put that hand down. Right? Did anyone just miss one? Anyone just miss one? Two? Three? Okay, a couple of you just missed three. That's great. Uh, well, y'all think about this. We just got done for Christmas for like a month. We've been singing songs about this, reading the story, lighting Advent candles, watching the shows on TV, and it's the most popular story in all of Scripture. And yet, we still can get confused about what the Bible actually says about it. Isn't that amazing? Why is that? 
Well, y'all, I think it's because we, in kind of our Christian culture sometimes, we live in a war- world where we can tend to be around the Bible without being actually in it. You know, again, it's funny with this kind of fun little quiz, but y'all, what about some of the big issues in life? What about the issues of sin and righteousness? What about issues like what kind of parent, spouse, child, employee God wants me to be? Uh, what about what it means to be a member of a church and be a disciple of His? What it looks like to manage my finances and, and all these other things. I mean, what are the areas maybe that we're around the Bible, but not in it? And so we're maybe mistaken about what it says. You know, I, I pulled up a list of uh, top 10 Christian books of the year. And you can go to Lifeway, you can find this on Amazon. And y'all, it's really amazing. In that list, there are books that clearly teach things that the scriptures make absolutely no claim about. Absolutely no claim. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar. I mean, just a, a surface reading in any one of many parts of scripture will show you that what that's teaching isn't biblical. But, man, it's top 10 list. These are things that are circulating often in our Christian culture that are, easy, are things that are easy to assume and adopt. Y'all, when we're just kind of around the Bible, but we're not in it. And so we're just taking people's word for it. I kind of broke down some of the things just off the top of my head, things that we often are tempted to believe. Things like, God just wants me to be happy. Y'all, the Bible never says that. And it doesn't even really get close to saying that. But it's something so easy for us to believe in our culture. Things like, God won't let anything bad happen to me. You know what? New Testament says things like, count it all joy when you face many trials. You open your scriptures and you start to read it, and you'll find every follower of Jesus bad things happen to. And in fact, Jesus himself said, hey, disciples, followers of me, I'm perfect and the world hates me. And so guess what? They're going to hate you too. Things like, you know what? If I think positive enough thoughts and I believe hard enough, God will give me what I want. You know, the Bible never says that. In fact, the Bible says that what you want is often the wrong things. And what God will give you is what he wants, which is often the total opposite of what you want. Just a couple examples. Think of Paul. He, he's spreading the church. He's doing all the right things. He's following God. He's got great faith, and he wants to go east. But the scriptures say, you know what? The Holy Spirit forbid that. Closed all kind of doors in his face till he went west. It wasn't because he didn't believe hard enough. It wasn't because he didn't have positive thoughts. It was because God wanted something different than what he wanted. Think of Peter in the garden pulling out a sword on the Roman soldier. Let's do this. Let's fight. Y'all, no one believed in his cause more firmly than Peter. But he was ready for Jesus to start a war, and that's not what Jesus wanted. God wanted something different than what Peter wanted. And it wasn't a matter of positive thoughts or not. What about this one? God won't give me more than I can handle. I've heard that. That's not a, that's not a verse. That's not in the Scriptures. In fact, you know, think of Paul, David, Jesus, each one of those, at times they begged God in anguish over their circumstances. And in fact, you know, if you think about it, the whole point of the Bible is that all of life is more than you can handle. That's the whole point of it, so that we will depend on him and, and rely on him. And so I, I'm just convinced, you, know, we, you can very easily be a Christian and be around the Bible all the time, without being in it. And y'all, that has a recipe for error. 
that is a recipe for disappointment because you will start to build on your life on things that the Scripture simply never say. So what do the Scriptures say about themselves? I want to turn real quick to 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. I want to just read this very quickly. Y'all, many of you know this verse. If you don't, these are verses that every believer should memorize and should know. It says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. A couple things these verses tell us. First, they tell us that they're breathed out by God. The Scriptures are different than any other book, even the books on the top ten list, because God is the source. Just like my breath comes from my lungs, those words, they may have traveled through other men, but their source is God. They come from God. The Bible says the same thing in 2 Peter 1, 21, another great verse to know. It says this, For no prophecy, that is, no words of God, was ever produced by the will of man. Y'all, the Bible isn't there because some man thought, hey, this is the right thing to say. This is good advice. This is what I need to write. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Y'all, the Bible is different because God is the source. Another thing that 2 Timothy tells us is that these words of Scripture, they change us. It says they're good for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, and they equip us for what? Every good work. Every good work out there, our equipping for that is found in Scripture. And so it doesn't matter what you want help with. If you want help with your relationships, if you want a better better relationship with Jesus, if you're struggling with sin, if you want to learn how to manage your finances, the best book you can read about that is the Bible, is the Scriptures. And here's why. Because it doesn't just inform us, it transforms us. Every other book, the best thing it can do is give you good advice. But here's the deal, guys. Usually, we know what we should be doing anyway. Usually, they're not telling us anything new. They're kind of repackaging it and making it appealing to us. But the thing they can't do is make us follow it, make us obey it. The Scriptures are different. Scriptures say since they're from God, carried along by the Holy Spirit, and we have the Holy Spirit in us when those A believer reads those words, they begin to transform their heart. And not just tell them what we should do, but empower us, equip us for every good work to obey. That's what the scriptures do. But here's the deal, guys, and this is where I'm often missing, I think a lot of us do. It requires effort. The scriptures, reading them, being in them, following them requires effort. Joshua 1.8 says this, this book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be, listen, careful, careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You know, a lot of times we think because the Bible is spiritual, that means it's magical, that I can just be around it and just like, kind of like by osmosis, everything will go in my mind and my heart that I need. We often think, you know, I don't, I don't have to work at being in it. And I don't have to work at following it. But y'all, let's say this year, you know, my, my New Year's resolution is to get in better shape. And so here's what I'm going to do. I bought myself a gym membership, and I'm going to go to the gym every day. Day and night, I will be at the gym, and I'll just kind of be around it, though. And I'll be close to the people on the weights and when the machines doing all the work and working out. I'll be right there with them, you know. I'll be around it, but I'm not going to actually do the work. That's not going to go well for me, is it? Well, y'all, that's the attitude we take sometimes when we say, I'm going to kind of go to church and kind of be around other people who are studying the Bible, but not in it ourselves. 
It says you have to meditate on it. You have to be in it a lot, day and night. And then he says to be careful, careful to be. That takes time. That takes attention. It takes will. It takes effort and meditation and carefulness to obey. Because, y'all, here's the deal. Our fallen nature naturally would love for us to be kind of around Scripture, to feel good about ourselves without being in it. And so, y'all, that's a battle we're going to always fight as believers. So, you know, it's the new year. And uh, some of you are into New Year's resolutions. Some of you aren't. Uh, in my home, my wife is super into New Year's and resolutions, and I'm not. And so y'all can imagine how the next few days are going to go for us. Uh, here's the deal. I, this isn't a New Year's resolution type thing. This is an everyday resolution type thing. If you're a believer, whether it's January or whether it's July, we're going to have to always be re- resolving, like it says in Joshua, to meditate on it day and night and to be careful to obey it. It'll always take decision. It'll always take effort. And so where do we start? You know, and just in closing, I want to kind of maybe give you some resources. There's a million Bible reading plans out there. I, this morning, I googled Bible reading plan. I clicked on the first website. On one website, there were 16 different Bible reading plans. There's a million out there that you can pick one and just start and, and go with it. You can read a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs, and so you can read one a day every month. Uh, There's read the Bible in a year. There's read the New Testament in a year. The one I tend to default to is called the Daily Office. It's been uh, around the church for a long, long time, and every day there's a psalm, there's an Old Testament, there's a gospel reading, and a New Testament reading. And so you can just Google Daily Office, and it'll have one for every day of the year. There's a chronological Bible reading plan that my wife did a while ago, and you read the books in the order they were actually written, and it's just kind of a new way to experience the Scriptures. But it doesn't just have to be on your own. Uh, you can read the Bible as a family. Uh, find ways and reasons to do that. I, I left a few of our Advent family devotional books back there. Who cares that Christmas is over? You can take those, and you've got several five- to ten-minute devotionals you can do as a family, and each and every one of those, you're going to begin by reading the Scriptures together. Do that. Do it in the mornings as you're reading breakfast. Say, I'm just going to crack this thing open, and we're just going to read a verse, a paragraph, a chapter, whatever it is. Do it together. Do it as a family. We, uh, if you drop your kids off at the different kids' Bible studies, we send you home every week with a sheet of the scriptures that we talked about that Sunday. And the scriptures are on there. There's kind of the big idea of the passage, a couple questions you can ask about it. Pull that out and just read the scriptures together when you get home. Read your scriptures in your life group. If we're going to, many of us gather together with other believers, y'all, as we gather, we better be opening the scriptures together. Again, we don't have to have an hour-long Bible study every time. Maybe it's a verse. Maybe it's just a paragraph. We, we need to be opening the scriptures together as believers. You know, I love God's advice in the Old Testament he gave uh, in Deuteronomy 6. And essentially what he says is, listen, surround your life with my words. He tells them in Deuteronomy 6, look, write it on your doorpost, put it on your gates, put it on your forehead. You know, and a lot of the Jews took that literally, and so they literally made boxes that they could roll up little scriptures on and, and keep them on their forehead, and they put little boxes next to their doorposts. And that's great, but y'all, you can do all that, but still just be around God's Word and not in it. What he's saying is, just flood your life, have my words everywhere so that you're in it. So you're in it all the time. So you can meditate on it day and night and be careful to do what it says. Y'all, I think this year coming up in 2019, if we do that as a church, if we, each and every one of us, are in God's 
word. You know what will happen? We'll hear from God. I love what John Piper says. You know, he says, listen, all of us, every single person wants to hear audibly from God. How amazing would that be? Well, guess what? You can. Just read the Bible out loud, and you're hearing audibly from God. We can hear from God every day. And I believe if we do that, we'll be transformed. We'll be transformed into His likeness, into what He wants for our lives. So I'd love for you and me to commit to that this year. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.